Good morning. I feel like you guys have been sat there for a while already. <laughs> it's okay. That's good. We need to know what's going on, don't we? We need to make sure that we're doing all the right things. Um, re-establishing resources is the message right now, and it's a continuation. As Connie mentioned, last year you might remember re-establishing reality. Uh, we did a little quiz on you, if you remember, and you were supposed to be holding hands partway through. Um, and then we did re-establishing um, romance. How many of you remember that message? How's it going? Don't put your hands up. It's okay. All right. This is re-establishing resources, and then tonight we'll have re-establishing reasoning. And those three, or those four, sorry, will all go together and make a new album entitled Re-establishing Marriage. It's not available yet, although you can probably order it because we're recording it here, um, as long as we don't have any more audio trouble. <laughs> you know, this message, Reestablishing Resources, that's kind of a weird name. As you see it on the schedule there, you think, I wonder what that's about. Well, we just wanted to keep the reestablishing something beginning with R, you know, <laughs> but really it would be managing money in marriage. That's what we want to talk about this morning. You know, money can bring out some strong feelings in marriage, can't it? <laughs> Again, you don't have to put your hand up at this point. Um, when you talk about money as a couple, are you united or ignited? <laughs> I don't know. You know. Are you, um, are you contented or does it bring contention? I like it when I see couples <laughs> glaring at each other or <laughs> nudging each other. I think that's okay. Communication is happening already. <laughs> do you like to talk about your finances together or do you avoid it? That'll give you a little idea where you are. There's a text and it's true in many areas of life and certainly true when it comes to finances. You're very familiar with Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Can two walk together, lest they be agreed? About 18 months ago, I was in the local feed store, probably buying bird food. <laughs> and it was a Senex store, and I overheard a conversation, and it was a classic conversation, and I had to write it down. That was 18 months ago. We were still working on this series then. There was a lady, she was about my age, and she came into the feed store... And she wanted a bunch of different things. And the clerk, as she was talking to him, he was, you know, it's 25 pound sacks of this, that, and the other. And so they always have somebody to go take it to your vehicle. And he said, Ma'am, which vehicle will I take you to? She said, Oh, it's the black explorer with the grumpy guy outside of it. And she had a real attitude, which kind of got my attention. And the room is a real tiny kind of a room. You can't really avoid overhearing conversations. So I kind of thought, Woo! And then she continued, and I don't remember the rest, but that line stuck in my mind. You won't miss him, he's the grumpy guy outside. And I thought, well, I didn't notice any grumpy guy outside when I came in. But of course, I wasn't part of this conversation. I was just an overhearing the conversation. And then she continued to go on and on about how he really didn't like her spending money. And in fact... He was really bugged by it, but he was so kind of worried about how much she might spend, he had to come to town with her when she went to town, just so he could at least know what she was up to, and when she would come home with all her stuff. And 
She wasn't a happy camper, basically. And the clerk was very respectful. And I've known him for the last 11 years, the same guy, same place, all the time. And he was kind of a quiet sort of a guy, and he was very respectful. And after a little bit, he said, you know, I'm just happy when my wife wants to go to town and leave me behind, because I don't want to go shopping. And she said to him, well, I mean, can you trust her not to spend too much money? (laughs) And he said, well, she knows what we have. And she spends what she knows she can. And I thought, wow, pretty interesting. And at that point, he and I got eye contact, and we never said anything. (laughs) But this dear lady went out to her grumpy husband, and they probably carried around town doing all kinds of things. And it just really hit me. It's like, wow. I guess that kind of does happen, doesn't it? But, you know, can two walk together unless they be agreed? It's a serious question. How is it with you? You know, I don't want to even go there. (laughs) You know how it is with you in your marriage. How is it in our marriage? That's what we want to talk about today, about some of these things that relate to us and money, because as Paul said, it seems to be quite an inflammatory subject in marriages. The economy is getting worse. I know they tell you it's getting better, but I think it's actually getting quite a bit worse. And so the topic of money is going to get more and more tense as time moves on. So the sooner we can fix some of these things in our marriage, it's better than when we're really uh, struggling for finances, more so than we are now. The overview, we're just going to give you a very quick overview of this message. We're going to talk about a little bit about our testimony. Um, The good, the bad, and the ugly, I've got down here. And then we're going to talk about living day to day. Giving each other room. We're going to talk about God's principles and how they need to be supreme, not extreme, sorry. (laughs) We're going to talk about how we can encourage each other in this area and then look look at the big picture. Our testimony. Just going to keep this brief. I inherited and cultivated frugality. Um, Somewhat to an extreme. Frugality is good. But extreme frugality can cause some marital tensions. In fact, I have some friends of mine just recently told me, Paul, we always think of you when we see Frugal's, the restaurant. (laughs) They know us real well. (laughs) I didn't even get a chance to say, I've never, ever set foot inside Frugal's. I don't even know what it looks like inside. Um, I don't even know if Frugal's is a chain store, if it's just in Montana, I don't know. But there's a restaurant called Frugal's where we live. So I grew up and inherited and cultivated frugality. And in our early married life, we were very... um, There there wasn't much money to go around. We were full-time coal porters and Bible workers. We were going door-to-door. We got excited when we sold a book for more than just the fact that the truth had gone out, but that some money had come our way. (laughs) And... um, we had the situations that we would often go to town together, but um, I was managing our family budget at that point, and it seemed like that no matter how hard I tried to keep these budgets working, it didn't work. And I'd say to Carolyn, so you went to town on the 27th, and I mean, what did you spend it on? And oh, a bit of this and a bit of that, and it's like, it doesn't match up. And so I... In my enthusiasm, mixed with my extreme frugality, I started penny-pinching. And just, okay, I need to know exactly what you spent. I need all your receipts. 
and right down to the penny. And Carolyn wasn't spending very much at all, were you? No. You had no wiggle room hardly at all. How did that make you feel when you had no wiggle room at all? Well, you know, I was, well, I think I was about 26 by then. I, you know, left home at 18, gone into nursing school, had my own apartment, was used to managing my own money, even though we're going to get into that, how I managed it wasn't the greatest. But anyway, I was in control of it, at least. <laughs> at least I thought I was. <laughs> and so... We're just being really honest. It was horrible. I, but I had this idea that I needed to submit in every which way possible. And so under this submission idea, and I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that we don't need to submit. We just had an extreme view of it at that point. And so how it was was, you know, every single penny had to be accounted for. And I couldn't go and buy some nylons. Because every penny had to be accounted for. I couldn't go buy a box of Kleenex unless it was on the list. I couldn't. And it was stifling. But because I felt that we were supposed to do this, I just kind of lived stifled because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Just, we're just being really vulnerable and honest with you this morning as we've done all week thus far. And so it was hard. <laughs> it was hard on both of us. It was, it was certainly... Not contentment, but contention. <laughs> and it wasn't unity, it was... But the contention was more inside of our own hearts because we felt like this is what we're supposed to do, so it's meant to be like this, and we just have to live with this. We didn't realise that it was, this was not how it was meant to be. Well, I was in my quiet time. I was sitting there in the morning times, and I was reading a book called The Adventist Home, and I was working my way from beginning to end. I got to chapter 61, Principles of Family Finance. So it's what I'm reading in my quiet time, and I'm on page 308, 378. And I get to this subheading, Wife's Allowance for Personal Use. Okay, and I'm reading here. Just imagine me in my quiet time, in my state of extreme frugality. It says, you must help each other. Do not look upon it as a virtue to hold fast the purse strings, refusing to give your wife money. And I'm thinking... I'm not reading this. He's reading this. I'm thinking, man, this book's reading my mind. <laughs> you ever have that feeling? <laughs> the very next words. You should allow your wife a certain sum weekly and should let her do with it what she... Sorry, and I'll start again. You should allow your wife a certain sum weekly and should let her do what she pleases with this money. And I'm like, I can't believe. I look at the front of the book. It's like, yeah, it's the same book. <laughs> it didn't seem to go along with all the other stuff I'd been reading. Um, you have not given her opportunity to exercise her taxed, tax. Tact, sorry, with a T on the end. Or her taste because you have not a proper realisation of her position as a wife. <laughs> Your wife has an excellent and well-balanced mind. And then I knew that the Lord was talking to me. And then it goes on. It says, give your wife a share of the money that you receive. What? Let her have this as her own. I must have been shaking my head. And let her use it as she desires. Put yourself in my shoes. No more amen, sisters. <laughs> she, should, she should have been allowed to use the means that she earned. That would be a, for, a cause of contention amongst us. As she and her judgment deemed best. 
Um, if she had a certain sum to use as her own without being criticized, that was talking to me again, a great weight would have been lifted from her mind. And I sat there like, wow. And then I thought, why hasn't she ever brought this up? I mean, wives, if you'd read that, and you were in Carolyn's situation, do you think you might have mentioned something? So I concluded she probably hadn't read it. And then another thought came to my mind. <laughs> well, we do talk about everything, but maybe not this one. <laughs> but no, God help me. And we talked about that, and I can't remember how much it was we decided on, because we had made a commitment as we started reading. Carolyn was reading the Ministry of Healing, and I was reading the Adventist Home, and we had determined that whatever we read that was what we weren't doing, that we would communicate that to each other, and we would go forward and do it. And so I kept my bargain on this. And what do you think when you... I was, I was just amazed. And here's the amazing thing. You know, so when you feel like you can't do something and you're just kind of in this box, there's no wiggle room, the desire to want to do it gets bigger and bigger. It's a real heads up for us with our children too, you know. But all of a sudden, when he turned to me and he said, you know, I'm going to give you, after he read this, and I was just blown away when he read this to me, and I knew how hard it was for him <laughs> to read this to me. He said, so, what do you think? How much do you think I should give you? <laughs> and I, I don't know what, I don't know how we worked it out, but I think it was like $30 a month or something. That was pretty generous. Oh, it was it? very generous. I was paying, you know, I was all of a sudden. a month. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the desires I had for all the little, you know, you know what I mean, girls, little knick-knack things, this and that, just to make life a little more fun, and all of that disappeared, and I suddenly didn't need to do all those things anymore, and I went out, and it was back in the old days when we used tapes, you know, and I, I knew he'd been wanting to have a Walkman, so when he did his exercise in the morning, he could be listening to a message or the Bible or something, and what did I go do with my very first allowance that I could spend on whatever I wanted and he couldn't say a thing about? I bought him a Walkman, because... I was just so appreciative that he had read this and wanted to implement this, even though it cut right across who he had been all these years. It took away all my desire for all the things that I thought I needed. So guys, don't be scared about this. Don't go, oh, thank you, Paul. You've really blown it now. It may not be that way. It wasn't me. I was just reading. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't given her wiggle room, try it out and see what happens. And girls, don't blow it all the first minute he does that, because that kind of... There is something here, though, that we talked about quite a bit. And perhaps it was the only ray of light for me, I don't know. But it says, your wife has an excellent and well-balanced mind. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> I knew Carolyn did. Okay. <laughs> but I just, I don't really know your family dynamics, but if you've got one of you that, maybe I don't want to go there. No, we'll move on. They'll see how balanced I was or wasn't. Okay, yeah. Wifey's going to give a little bit of her testimony. Oh, we'll skip that. <laughs> okay. Well, meanwhile, I wasn't, I didn't have a particularly... Penny pin. Well, no, I don't even know how to put this now. <laughs> I wasn't raised quite the same way, and I didn't have the same frugal deal that I cultivated. Okay, more balanced. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe I'll put it that way. And in fact, when we got married, do you remember what your diary was? <laughs> <laughs> when I, when Carolyn and I's relationship got serious and we got engaged, Carolyn was actually seven hundred pounds. That's about a thousand dollars. No, it was five hundred pounds. 
was about $700. Okay, all right, it's going up. $700 in debt to her father. Her father was very generous. And I thought, well, since I'm taking his daughter and she's going to become my wife, that I should at least settle up with him. And so I paid Carolyn's $700 to her father. He didn't really want it, but I felt it was the right thing to do. And I have always said that's a, like a dowry. You know, in Africa, it's a cow or a camel or something, but it was... <laughs> she's been mine ever since. <laughs> Paying off my debt. So you can understand now a little bit of where we're coming from. And so we had different outlooks. And, you know, then you get married with those different outlooks and you've got to find a way that you're going to mesh together and move on, don't you? That has to happen. Well, you know, I would get in a bind from time to time with my budgets and we would talk about it and we would fix it. But you didn't always, you weren't always really real thrilled when I would get in a bind with my budgets, were you? No. I guess that would be a nice way of putting it, right? Yes. <laughs> well, it, it My was... dad didn't seem to have the same attitude when I would go to him. I mean, it was just the way I said it. You know, Dad. <laughs> I don't know, but somehow it, it, I just knew I was in trouble. So anyway, <laughs> it was 2009, and we were really wanting to make our money go the furthest and try and make the most of bargains when we saw them. We have a root cellar, and we were just putting away a few things down there on the shelf in our root cellar. And so I was seeing all these different bargains, and I would say to him, you know, this is a really good 50% off. If we don't buy two of those, let's buy two cases of those. And he said, yeah, you've got to do that, sweetie. So I was doing all of this. Now, I wasn't telling him that I kind of had a bad feeling that somehow my budget was not kind of up to it, up to this. My housekeeping, the, 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 the food budget, basically. And so I just didn't feel entirely comfortable about what was happening, but I didn't really want to go and work it all out either because it might not be very good. So anyway, and then another opportunity came along, and he said, you've really got to take, you've really got to go for this opportunity. You've got to do this. And I'm like... Well, I think I should, but if he knew what I think I know, he probably wouldn't be saying that. I'm just, we're just being totally honest, okay? Does because... this happen in any of you guys' houses? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. They're just, they're it, just it perfect, does. I it guess. Does. Okay. They can put their hand up. And so, say... we're just being real. So here we are, and you know, as you work for a ministry, your paycheck doesn't always arrive on the day that it usually does. And sometimes when it does, it's not as fat as usual. And so here we were now, and I had just kind of paid for a bunch of things that I was putting away in my root cellar, knowing that, you know what, Lord, if we get paid next month, I know it's going to be okay, I think, almost. Well, we didn't. And we didn't get the next month or the next month. And I now knew I was in big trouble. Because <laughs> you still got to eat, don't you? <laughs> so it has to happen. So eventually he said, sweetie, we just need to sit down and see exactly where we are. Just give me all your budgets. Let me know where each one is. And I felt sick because I just knew where they were. At least I had a real hunch. And you know, girls, when you have a hunch, it's probably a whole lot worse than your hunch. Carolyn has this mindset that <laughs> if you don't add it up, it isn't there. <laughs> It's, or at least it's not as, as bad as it really is. So anyway... There's a saying for that. It's something about... Head in the sand? Yeah. And I don't do that kind of stuff usually at all. But anyway, when I added it up, all my budgets and what I had and how much in the hole I was, I was $1,000 in the hole across all my budgets. That was horrible. <laughs> I felt ill. So now he says, okay, so let's talk about it and t- you know, tell me how you're sitting. And I'm like, oh, no. And I said, sweetheart, um, it's not very good. 
And he said, okay, just give it to me. I said, I'm $1,000. Actually, it was about $1,200. I thought in, it was. In the hole. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. See, that's progress. I wasn't going to say anything. You know, and in the past, it would not have been a good afternoon, would it? Or a good rest of the week, probably, if we're just being truthful. It's true. I, it would have just been a bad situation. And, you know, sometimes you, you know, it wasn't like I could just wait for the right moment and, okay, here it is, sweetie. There's no right there moment. Was no, <laughs> well, there's sometimes, there's sometimes better than others, but he wanted to know now, and I just knew now wasn't going to be a good time. But anyway, you know, we had been, and I think we shared yesterday how we had worked through that little Love Dare book on each other, and we had really been growing and bonding and meshing our hearts together more than we had ever experienced before. And in the past, you would have blasted me out, just being truthful. But you didn't. You know, I, I just need to tell you, he felt sick for me because he knew how sick I felt. Now, I wasn't just splurging it on, you know, new drapes and new everything, you know, new, new pretties. It was food is all I'm talking about here. And he felt sick because he knew how sick I felt. That is huge progress, friends. Really was. And instead of me feeling horrible inside, we just got on our knees, and I think we shed tears, and I think we prayed together, and we just said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to work this out. And he helped me to get out of that miserable hole. Now, I also put a total freeze on spending. We just ate what was around our place, what we could find on our root cellar and what we had. Never went to Costco for three months, didn't go to any of those places. It took me that long to get myself out of the hole. And I think I can honestly say... I'm converted, finally. <laughs> now, I'm still not as frugal as him. I still like those, you know, things that make life a little pretty around the edges, but I've never got myself into that kind of a situation again. And I, I would hope that you wouldn't ever be as frugal as me. Right? <laughs> yeah, I would too. We, need to, we complement each other. <laughs> you know, you might have heard an illustration I gave a couple of years ago, I think it was, about Carolyn in Barnes & Noble, and... It was, it was several years ago, actually, because it was a message called Approach. And when Carolyn came out of Barnes & Noble, because she loves books, <clears throat> I, I essentially blew it because she'd been in there way too long for my liking. Um, just being real honest. I know it happens to you, so that's why we're being honest. But we've solved the Barnes & Noble thing now. She has a Kindle. So you don't have to actually go anywhere. You can just... 20 seconds and you're, you're reading it. <laughs> But what happens is whenever she buys something on Kindle, the email goes to the Rain family email, which goes to both of our computers. And so my computer's going, bing, oh, Kindle, 9.99, bing, oh, 4.99, bing. It actually bings. I've heard it. It bings on that thing before it downloads on my Kindle. It's like, that's not fair. He knows what I did before I even got it. But I've had victory, brothers and sisters. <laughs> there is hope. If you are stuck in extreme frugality, there is hope. If you are stuck in what would be the opposite of that, um, spendomania, <laughs> spendomania. Then, then God wants us to bring us back to his principles. We need to get a handle on our finances. Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Luke chapter 14, 28 through 30. It says, Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, 
All who see it begin to mocking, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What does that have to do with finances? Because these three verses are not about building towers. I hope you realize that. We could actually change the wording a little bit, respectfully. This is the word of God. But which of you, intending to get through the month, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Many of us, I've heard, I've said it and I've heard other people say it, there's too much month left at the end of the money. Friends, this, I've not seen this, but this is a budget verse. Mm -hmm. Sit down and count the cost. And that's what we want to talk about. We're talking a little bit now about living day to day. And we need to get a budget together. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up if you have a budget or not. But friends, if we know that the economy is going to shrink as we get near the end of time. And so you may be managing okay now without a budget. You may be managing okay now without a garden. But you know, as things shrink, we've been told to do these things. And we're going to need to know how to do them so that we're not taken by surprise. And it's like, boy, I wish we'd been doing this budget thing a while because it doesn't seem to work. No, it doesn't work very well at first. And it takes a little bit of time. It can take a year or two almost to get a budget off the ground. You can't do it in an instant. So... Make a budget together. You know, a budget or living without a budget is like living in a state that has no speed limit. It feels good, but it's dangerous. Those speed limits are there for your safety and for my safety and for the safety of those around us. And we obey those, don't we? (laughs) And we are kept safe especially if we pray before we drive. And friends, a budget is our friend. A budget is there to keep us safe so that we don't go off the rails. I wasn't looking at you with any intent at that point. (laughs) I know. (laughs) For most of us, we don't have more coming in than needs to go out, it seems like. You know, if you've got oodles of stuff coming in and you don't have much going out, then a budget's not so critical for you because you're not going to get in the same dilemma that many of us do. But I know for most of us in the real world, that's not how it is. Well, I remember one family, we were in their home and they said, you know, um, money's never really been a problem for me. I can earn it faster than she can spend it. And so it's, it's been working well. But now he's not earning. <laughs> and she's still spending pretty fast. <laughs> And so they were now having to work through that. And you never know when that's going to happen. So work through it whilst it's a little more rosy. So work out what's coming in and then work out what you can spend on what. We're not going to spend a huge amount of time on this because we did that a couple of years ago in a message called Preparing Our Finances in an album back there called Preparing for the Crisis. And there, with PowerPoint, we spent half an hour on exactly how to put a budget together. So we're not going to spend too much time on that. What we're going to spend a little bit more time on, because this is a marriage message, and after we gave that message on how to make up a budget, I had a number of families come to us and say, we tried, but we couldn't agree. Okay, so where are you now? Back to where we were before we heard your message. We just do our own thing. Don't let conflict stop you making a budget. 
We're going to talk a little bit, well, not a little bit, we're going to talk a lot about conflict tonight um, at the 6.30 meeting. So, you know, a typical situation might be you come to make a budget and you're going down and you get to vehicle. And the guy speaks up, we've got to have some money in the vehicle. The van is getting old and it's not going to carry on much longer. So we're kind of behind. We, we need $500 a month in the, the vehicle fund. And the wife is saying, no way. We're not putting 500 in. You know, this not, you can fix it. There's nothing that much wrong with it. And so you get into an argument now about the, the truck finances or whatever it is. Or maybe it's, you know, she's saying... You know, the kids are growing out of their clothes and we just need to pump the clothing budget up to $100 a month. And he's saying, what, $100 a month on clothes? That's ridiculous. And then you start using all this inflammatory language and then then you're not talking about the budget anymore. You're talking about her spending habits from 50 years ago or whatever. And, you know, it gets gets very intense. So this, this part of the message has to roll over to tonight. Don't let conflict stop you making a budget. We need give and take and let God's principles rule. James 1 verse 19 says, Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. If there's ever a time when that needs to happen, and it's every woman as well as every man, by the way, it's about finances in marriage. We just need to be listening rather than just blurting out what's on our hearts. That may well have a chance to come out later, but we need to be listening to one another. Swift to hear, slow to speak. And we need to be realistic. You know, you're talking about clothes. Yeah, if you, you know, we, we were talking with a couple and they were going to put $5 a month aside for clothes. You got five children, three children even, and you're going to put $5 aside a month for clothes. Then you're living in an unreal world. And what that tends to breed is, I just don't even try because I know I'm going to be in the hole anyways. And so you just always are. The budgets have to be realistic. And then you can't, it's a bit like a schedule. You work it for a bit, you tweak it here and there. That's how it is with the budget. You have to get back together after a week or two and say, okay, so how is this working now? Well, I overspend here, but I, you know, here had a bit of extra. And you start moving that money around until it is as as realistic as you can get it to be. And then in our home, what we did was, and I can't remember how many years ago it was that we started our budget system, but for, for many years, as Paul said, he managed, he's a much better money manager than I am, and so he managed the budgets, all of them, and you know, I was still kind of needing to give him my receipts and stuff, and at the end of the month, <laughs> I would still kind of have this, oh boy, here I go, here's my receipts feeling. And so we talked about it and we said, you know, why don't we, why don't we divide up the budgets? You know, he does the, the electricity and the phone and the vehicle and all those ones. And I do the housekeeping and the clothes and the homeschool budget and the gifts and all those different kind of budgets that we broke out. And so now I probably have one third of the budgets that I manage and you probably have two thirds, right? Probably about About, about like that. And so dividing it up has been really useful. Now, it still means, of course, that ultimately, as the wife, I need to be accountable to him for what I'm up to. But, and as you heard, <laughs> I did get up to some stuff. But, but I'm not day by day saying, guess what, I did this. You know, and if I see a need, like recently I had to take something out of one budget because over here was a need that I hadn't foreseen and, and it was now needing it. And that's fine. I was juggling around, but within parameters, not just kind of blasting a hole at one end or the other. So divide it up. You may well find that reduced a huge amount of agitation that yeah. we had bumped into, didn't just, it? Just kind of like the pettiness. You know, I get a receipt and it's, you know, $25 on bird food. 
<laughs> Not the bird food again. <laughs> And, oh, I mean, I like birds, but, you know, not that much. <laughs> but it's nice. I mean, if the birds are all tweeting out there, and I don't necessarily know how much it costs to achieve that, but everything's fine, then it just takes out some of that needless stuff. You know, that leads us into the next one, though, and that is transparency. Mm-hmm. If, you've got, if you go this separate budgets, we have one checking account between the two of us, but, um, and we share the same payment cards but if we it's not a hiding place Mm -hmm. so you need to be open and transparent with each other Um, if you're in the hole speak up if you've got a bit of extra speak up don't don't be deceiving each other so so i just got to ask you it's nothing to do with this do do you ever get in the hole with your budgets yes (laughs) and but it's not like usual is it um, how honest do you want me to be? Well, I just... <laughs> I was just going to say that it seems like if you stand away from all of this, the typical mentality is guys don't spend lots and women do. That's kind of the across-the-board generalisation of how we view it, that's, I think. That's not true. <laughs> but I think overall people kind of see it. She's the spender and he isn't type of a view. And so it can be really hard sometimes for us as women, particularly as... Every woman here would raise her hand if I said, have food prices gone up or down? They'd all say up. And for us women running that, that is tough sometimes to even forget the 2009 deal I was in, but just everyday food spending goes up. And so we find that seems like the ones we manage are bumbling along the bottom often. But if it feels like he's just so got it together that there's never a budget that kind of goes, oops then you feel even worse. But when I find out that you've got a few that are a little kind of on the red side for time, it's like, okay, so it's not that I'm just a lousy budgeter, it's just that there's real life that goes on. Yeah. So I was trying to make you feel bad. No, it didn't make me feel bad. (laughs) Discuss larger purchases. You know, if you come back from Costco or Sam's Club and you say, husband, guess what? That patio set that was $2,000... It was down to 500, and it's in the back of the pickup. <laughs> it's like, it was one thing to see it and say, oh, yeah, that's nice. We, we could do with a patio set. It's another thing to come home with it. <laughs> so discuss those larger purchases. You know, guys, if you roll up in a new truck, she might not be too thrilled. <laughs> not as thrilled as you are, really, <laughs> Giving each other room. Yeah, we're on to a different section now. Giving each other room. In Ministry of Healing 483, it says, We differ so widely in disposition, habits, education, that our ways of looking at things vary. Is that true? Within marriage, is that true? Yeah. We didn't marry somebody identical to us, did we? Because it wouldn't be a very fun, exciting life. We judge differently. Our understanding of truth, our ideas in regard to the conduct of life, are not all in respects the same. There are no two whose experience is alike in every particular. So frail, so ignorant, so liable to misconception is human nature that each should be careful in the estimate he places upon another. We need to be prepared to give each other room to be who we are. And that's kind of what we didn't understand very early on in marriage. We know now about, you know, not, she's not to lose her identity within his. She's still a person. She's still an individual. But, of course, there's submission under God to a husband. And we did not understand how that all worked. And so we kind of fudged it there early on. 
But, you know, it doesn't all have to go your way. You don't have to have this feeling that, you know, and I don't know if you ever got tempted with this, like, what is her problem? I'm just so much better than she is at this. Actually, the Lord's speaking to my heart because I, you can recognize, I hope you can recognize, your wife or your husband purchases something and you don't like it. You can normally tell whether the Lord doesn't like it or whether it's just you that doesn't like it. And I would have those nagging feelings as you would come home with something, and I'd think, man, what is she spending the money on that for? And then I'd think, I suppose it's okay. I know, I know it's okay deep down in my heart. It just bugged myself, not necessarily God. Um, an example, we recently had to change our vehicle, and the old one had a GPS. Am I supposed to be giving this example? Sure. So it's me, right? Yes, yeah, if you want it. <laughs> the old one had a GPS. We'd kind of gotten used to that. Actually, it... it was a great marriage strengthener. It was. This GPS. Because, unlike my sister Elaine, I am hopeless at map reading. And he was saying, okay, we need to take exit so-and-so, and it's on this and that, and I'd be looking at the map. I couldn't even see the highway, let alone the exit, okay? And I hadn't noticed that my eyes on that small print, anyway, that's, you know, and in, in poor light, things don't go so good. And so, I'm, first of all, I'm trying to find that blue line thing and see where, if I can see some of those numbers... And I would do one of these, you know, we were way past the exit we should have turned off by the time I'd even find it. And that causes frustration, particularly when you're in a town, in a state, you've never been there before, you've got to get to a certain place, maybe we're trying to get to give meetings somewhere, and I'm, you know, who knows where we are. And of course I'm half asleep anyway, because he just woke me up to see if I could find out where we were. We'd done all of those things over the years, and when we got our previous vehicle, the GPS, it was great. I could fall asleep the whole journey, and we still got there, and we were just getting on great. <laughs> so we changed our vehicle. He said, sweetheart, I'm going to have to. It doesn't have a GPS. I'm going to have to get one of those. And to be honest, for me, it was like, I could take it or leave it. No, you know, I don't really use it. I don't drive anywhere I don't know, so I don't really use the GPS. I mean, it's there doing its thing, but I ignore it. But it was important to you. It was. Very important. And in fact, I like sleeping in the vehicle, so it was pretty important to me too, really. And as you said, you know, the bird food's not that big of a deal for you, really, is it? <laughs> These are examples of giving each other room. Don't think that what you think is the only way to think. Did you get that? Because especially in any marriage, and we'll talk about this more tonight, there's a stronger personality that tends to dominate, and there's a, I won't call it a weaker personality, but maybe a more timid personality. And if you are the stronger personality, you need to be very careful on this area. Not to think that your way is the only way and the best way, and that if only my wife would think more like me, we'd be better off. <laughs> we wouldn't be better off if there was two of me in the marriage. We need each other. <laughs> You're cute. Another thing, another example that just comes to mind is Carolyn will say, hey, sweetie, look at this new dress I've got. It's in Ross's. Five dollars. Can you believe it? Reduced, reduced from 80, you know. <laughs> you always, men, don't they always tell you how far it was reduced? That's because I figured out if you go into pennies, they actually tell you, today you saved $78. And that's, they do that that's so that so, you can go home and tell your husband. Yeah. And when Hannah was wanting to know she needed to learn percentages, I said, you absolutely do, because when you go shopping, you need to be able to go home and say, I saved this much percent. So I don't mind. <laughs> that's fine. But when Carolyn says, I got this, this dress, it'll work great at camp meeting, and it was only $5, I think, great. And then she says, and I got a tie to match, you, so you can, you can match my dress. And the tie was $20. No, it's I'm like, not. It's like... I've not done it that bad. 15 you did one time. Yeah, I know, I did. 
So, to me, I'd have been happy with the tie. Why don't we sell, guys, ties on sale? That's what I want to know. We need to give each other room. It doesn't always have to be you know, your and way. The, the quote there about the wife needing an allowance, the thing that I really kind of got, I tuned into when we, we realized this was needful was that it was a money for which he wasn't to interfere with what she did with it. I can't tell you how many times I've come home and, I've, and we're unpacking the, the shopping and he's like, what was this? I said, it was out of my allowance. Which means it was okay. Now, I want you to understand, I'm talking about maybe $10, maybe $20. I'm not talking $500. You know, when I bought a computer, I bought it myself, but for months and months I researched which one it was going to be, and when I had nailed it down to these particular two, I finally then went to him and said, okay, I've done my research, you tell me what you think. When it comes to a bigger purchase, when we're talking three figures, I'm not spending that and going, and you can't say a word because it's my allowance. I don't do that. But yeah, if it's a book, if it's a book on Amazon, you know, my thing, I'll just say, hey. And then often he says, um, we're flying somewhere. And he says, um, you know that book you got? Because you can put it on more than one device. He says, um, I'm going to have it on my iPod. <laughs> I said, oh, really? On oh, my iPad. I said, oh, really? You're going to pay half the price? Oh, no, but you've already bought it. So <laughs> just trying to say we need to give each other freedom, but you don't, you don't, um, mess up that freedom by overdoing it on your side. It has to be in balance. A text on this, and it's a little bit of an extreme text for this illustration, but <laughs> it's true. There is a way that seems right unto a man, or a woman, however it is in your case, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, if she goes and, you know, buys a computer with without anybody knowing or whatever. It's not necessarily going to be death, but it might be death of a little bit of affection that was starting to sprout up. So we have another principle here. Let God's principles be supreme. And we try to think, and we, we can't always think of examples, but there's been many times in our married life where we've, we've thought, you know, maybe we should do such and such. And an example just came to me. Look at that. I spent ages trying to think of one. Like a treadmill. We, we were wanting a treadmill. It was more me wanting a treadmill. And, you know, but we didn't really want to spend the money because we didn't really have it. Now, you, you say you don't need a treadmill. You just go out and walk. Well, that's fine. But in Montana, you walk on ice for half the year. So you, know, you go out for a walk to stay healthy and trip over and break your ankle. That's it's not the smartest thing. So it's better if you can you know, be in one spot on a flat surface. And so we went, okay, let's search it out. And I wonder what God thinks about a treadmill. Well, you can't put treadmill in the concordance or, you know, the Ellen White um, CD-ROM or whatever. But there's principles there we came across. Walking's the best form of exercise and things like that. Okay, maybe, maybe this would be something that God would approve. And we came to the conclusion it would be. And we, we purchased one and... After two years, we didn't like it, and we gave it to the neighbors. <laughs> it didn't work for us. You've got to find an exercise that works for you. That's another uh, topic. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, going again on the same theme. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If this contention between the two of you go to God's word and study it out, because he has a lot to say on a lot of things. We need to give each other encouragement. That's a big thing when we, when we come to talk about finances. 
Proverbs 31:26 says, "She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness." You know, encouragement goes an awful long way, particularly when you're dealing with some potentially you know, explosive kind of a situation. And so it really, really helps me when I'm really looking at the budgets and trying to figure out, you know, we need to do this, and I'm trying to juggle my things around. And I come home, and he looks at what I purchased, and he says, you know what, that must have been tough to decide what you were going to do there. And I really appreciate that you're careful when you're shopping. That makes me feel fantastic. Even though I know I'm not as good a shopper or as good of a budgeter, as good as a budgeter as he is, but that encouragement goes a long way. Or, you know, I know it was not so long ago we had the dishwasher go out, the washing machine go out, and something else, I've forgotten what it was. And it was like, oh man, how are we going to find, we haven't got that in the budget. (laughs) We probably should, but it wasn't. It wasn't in the budget. And so anyway, we kind of limped along for a bit with, with particularly the washing machine. And then one day he said, you know, and I would think you would, you would be honest and say you're not as, like, fix-it as you would like to be, right? That's true. <laughs> but you've been learning how to be Mr. Fix-it. And so he got the washing machine apart, and he found out what the problem was, and he went on the web someplace and found the piece and fixed the washing machine. Girls, if he does that, don't feel like... Just when I thought I was going to get a new one, let's live in the real world. If you don't have the new one in the budget, then forget the new one. I just gave him a big hug and said, that is fantastic. I knew you could fix it. Then he fixed the dishwasher and whatever else it was that needed it. And friends, cut out what this spending had to be. And when that happens, encourage them, particularly if it's not a real strength of theirs and they're doing their very best to try to reduce the spending that has to happen. You know, if the wife is the spendy one in the family... That can do the budget some harm, as Carolyn was sharing earlier on. But if it's the husband who is the spendy one, that can really do some damage. <laughs> because, at least from most of the men I've spoken to, the ladies, you know, they're comfortable spending between 5 and $50. That's, that's the area that they like. You know, that's what the grocery store offers. That's what Ross's offers. You know, that, that's that kind of area. The guys, they like anywhere from... 500 and up. <laughs> 5,000 is comfortable. 10,000 is even better. And so, you know, because we're into bigger things like tools and trucks and things like that. So, you know, the leak in the bucket needs to be fixed. But, men, if you recognize that you're the spendy one and out comes the latest gadget and it's, MacBook you know, Pro. a MacBook Pro. I never said that. She said that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, you know, you could feed the family for three or four months on what it costs to buy the latest computer. So just think about that. Don't have one rule for her and one rule for you. Play this together and play it fairly. We are running out of time fast here, but we just wanted to talk a little bit about debt. You were going to pick up on that, Carolyn. We should. We, we want to avoid debt like the plague, and we know that. But debt is not necessarily a sin. You don't have to be sitting here feeling like you're big sinners if you've had a debt situation. You know, years and years ago when we had our dry well and we had to sink another one, we had to go into debt to do that. But were we sinning because we needed water? No, no that's a basic necessity of life. Could God have somehow put his finger down that old well and got it working if he wanted to? Yes, he could have done that, but he didn't choose to do that. We're in the real world. You know, a medical emergency, you can walk out of here and you can go break something on your person and end up with a 
$30,000 bill to pay that you weren't expecting. doesn't mean you're a sinner because you've had to now go into debt to pay a medical bill. What we're talking about is trying to avoid frivolous spending. And, you know, sometimes we've talked with families and, you know, the, it is generally more times we meet that the lady is the spender but as Paul said when guys get into spending it can be big stuff and you know this family who had gotten debt free and were really doing okay things weren't suddenly doing quite so well again and for, for a little bit and you know when she finally found out the bottom line they were $80,000 in debt and they weren't anything in debt before. And this was about an 18-month period. That had happened. That can happen. And when that happens through frivolous spending, yeah, it's a serious matter. And we need to take it as so and recognize, you know, debt is a very hard thing to get out of. And if you've been in it and you're free or if you're still in it, I know, what that, I know you know what I'm talking about and what that feels like. And I was, I was looking at something on the news recently to do with the, the earthquake and the tsunami and caught something that caught my eye about in India how there is slavery going on. And it's going on in a lot of places, by the way. But it was slavery to pay off debt. And it really got my attention and I read it. And it's, that is happening, friends. Not just debt that you know, we might make, but our children would have to be in slavery according to what's happening there because of the debts of previous generations. Friends, we don't want to pretend that this kind of stuff is not going to come back to this country. I believe it's already here. We don't necessarily feel it, but we need to be serious about it. Let's get those debts out of our hair so that we can be free, so that we owe no man anything, because there's going to come a time when we may have to do payback in a way that's much more painful than it is today. Carolyn's saying it's not a sin to be in debt or have to go into debt. But what I believe is a sin is to not be doing everything you can to get out of debt. If you're just coasting along saying, hey, the world's going to be the same, you know, there's a verse about that in the Bible, (laughs) and it's not very complimentary. We need to be working off the debts, even if it means living simply, driving an older vehicle, whatever it takes. But friends, we need to be getting out of debt. We don't know what's ahead of us, but we know that's the counsel. Let's bend our efforts as a married couple, united married couple, to deny ourselves whatever we need to deny ourselves to get that off. It will pay back in the end, and we will live like kings and queens when others are struggling if we've got that off of us. And a garden goes into that same... Just wanted to end up here, um, the big picture, different phases of life. I've had to talk with a few families and a few couples about this. There's different phases of life financially for a married couple. And when you're first married... And, of course, I'm looking out at a congregation and those on the live stream are all at different stages. But when you are first married, generally you are um, working to pay off the mortgage. And there's two of you working oftentimes. And that's good. You need to be putting the vast amount of your income towards paying that off and getting it behind you. And then as you move on in in your married life and children come along, you're not going to be able to pay quite as much off on the mortgage now because you've got children coming along and, you know, it costs a fair bit to actually get them into the world and then to look after them. And I was chatting with uh, a new dad here just uh, yesterday and um, he says, yeah, kids are expensive, aren't they? I said, yeah, you haven't seen nothing yet. But, uh, and then the children grow up and we're, you know, we're putting them through school or homeschooling and you know, their clothes get bigger, their needs get bigger and then they go off to college and we've got other expenses. 
you know, by this point, maybe the mortgage is paid down a little more. <clears throat> the important thing is, or the point I'm getting to, is if you are um, married with young children, don't try and live like your parents. Your parents are at a different stage. The mortgage is probably, you know, getting, getting well taken care of or maybe completely taken care of. They haven't got any children. You're their children and you're financially on your own, so they're not bailing you out all the time. Well, some of the time, maybe. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. But, you know, oftentimes it's like we try to live like the generation ahead of us. We just have to accept that we're at a different phase. If time was to linger, maybe things will be a little bit easier for us and we'll be a grandparent who can buy, you know, 15 outfits for the grandbaby or whatever. But, you know, we're, we're at a different stage. And another principle here, um, again, we're just trying to cover some of the bases in... Um, family finance or finance in marriage, and that is we came into the world with nothing, and we pretty much need to be planning to head out with nothing. I know the world is into leaving a great big inheritance for the children, but we will give an account for that, and if we're not there to determine where that goes, we are better to work that down during our retirement years. Giving it to God's work is obviously the best place to give it so that we don't leave a chunk of money to somebody else and goes and blows it on things that the Lord or we wouldn't have chose. So <clears throat> we went through that real quick. Uh, work together through those things. In conclusion, Carolyn. Make a budget together. A budget is not an enemy. A budget is a friend. You again. And don't let conflict stop you. If you know, I don't even want to start making a budget with him because it's going to be conflict. Don't let that stop you. Pray about it. Do you think God's interested in your budget? Absolutely. So just like you pray about everything else, pray about how this is going to happen. Pray over it before you stand to talk about it. Pray halfway through if you're kind of beginning to feel one of these deals. But God is interested in that and work through it together. Give and take. Don't think that your way is the only way. Listen to the other person. A lot more on conflict tonight. Um, and be realistic. Make a budget that's realistic. $5 a month for clothes is not going to cut it. Be transparent. Fess up if you're in trouble. <laughs> and if you fess up, whoever you're fessing up to, make sure that you're willing to hear that with an open and loving and encouraging heart rather than the person feeling like, oh boy, here I go. Discuss larger purchases. Mm -hmm. Don't try and surprise her <laughs> on those larger things <laughs> unless you've talked about it before. Uh, give each other room. We talked about that quite a bit and we're going to talk about that again tonight. And let God's principle be supreme. If you meet a point where you just can't agree, go back to the word of God. He has a lot to say about a lot of things. Encourage each other wherever, wherever possible to give that positive atmosphere. And lastly, the part that we went through very quick, remember the big picture. Remember where you are in the life cycle and don't try and live like your parents. We hope it's been a blessing to you. We hope we haven't started some fires in marriage. We hope that this can be a help to you. We're going to kneel and close in prayer. We invite you to join us where you're able. Father in heaven, we thank you for the beauty of marriage. We thank you for the intimacy that we enjoy. But Father, we know that you've called us to become one. And sometimes some of that 
becoming one can be quite difficult, especially in the areas of um, how we spend the money that comes in. Father, I pray that you would unite each family and each couple here in their um, finances that, that truly can be another area of marriage that can go deeper. And that as time goes on and as things become tighter and tighter, as we know they will, that it will draw us closer together and not cause um, those old um, things that have not been agreed to come up to the surface and cause contention. Father, please unite us under you and your management. And thank you for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.